Hello. Superstar. I'm back for another transmission, an evening transmission. It's 9.15 p.m. And I'm just feeling inspired that I really wanted to share this with you uh, for another trigger-proof transmission. And as always, I like to welcome people. Uh, I welcome you if you're brand new to my channel on YouTube or to the Trigger Proof Facebook group. If you haven't jumped in already and you're watching on replay, make sure you jump in. My name is Dr. Nima Romani, and I never imagined five years ago that I would be on this platform talking about relationships. After all, I'm a chiropractor. <clears throat> what business do I have talking about these things? Well, interestingly enough, um, in my work, I, as a chiropractor, helping people with stress-related disorders, I was dumbfounded by the amount of, hey, Jen, you're going to really like this one. This is a good one. It's just coming through me, and I really wanted to, to, to share this. This is specifically for people in your situation. I don't know if you can see. Oh, look at that. Oh, I just got a new camera. So I'm waiting on a new computer so that it speeds up. Um, but uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. And it's uh, even though it might be choppy right now, uh, the message here is super duper important because not knowing this information and being able to have a good you know, bird's eye view of what's going on with you, likely will have you remaining to be in miserable situations in relationships for the rest of your life. And I thought that that's what was going to be my fate. Um, and when I had to go inside and to do my own healing work, I realized that the patients that were coming to see me for stress-related problems really needed to heal their emotional wounds that was causing their physical wounds. So throughout this process, I became more and more uh, inspired to start teaching people how to go upstream and heal the root cause of why they were stressed, depressed, anxious. And it all had to do with, guess what? Their relationships. And um, your relationships pretty much all the time have to do with um, relationship with yourself. In other words, if you're seeing a lot of conflict in your outer world, uh, most of the time you go to counselors, psychologists, therapists, what, that person, you know, why don't they change? Should I stay? Should I go? Why don't they change? Uh, and uh, what I discovered is you're looking in the wrong damn place. And if you really want to create a secure relationship, uh, we must go inside. We must go inside and heal the parts of us that uh, really get activated and start to uh, act out unconsciously. It's not a rational decision. It's, it's completely unconscious. In other words, your body is making the decision for you. And one of these big decisions is, should I stay or should I go? Why can't I leave this relationship? This transmission is for you if you're having a difficult time um, because you just can't leave a relationship where you would consider yourself more so in the anxious attachment category. Um, there's a quiz that um, many uh, 
take and then on the other side of taking that 10 minute quiz you get to see how you show up in relationships in other words it's not a rational process this is what your body is acting out this this longing or this avoided pattern where you where you're fear afraid of intimacy so you get close you want it you get close it's terrifying to you so you push it away which is the avoidant which is how i used to show up and um, it wasn't until i hit my rock bottom a couple of years ago after a breakup that i stopped working altogether so many of many of us uh, you know during covid times have uh, you know are are panicking because they stopped working and what's interesting is i already did that 2 years ago for 6 months somebody who was um, it was very difficult for me somebody who uh, who who had prided himself and really identified with my work and this role and this character that i was playing which is dr nima the 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 uh, you know this sage on the stage I got to play this amazing role, I fed my ego quite nicely, I got to change lives, I got to be important, because I wanted to be the sage on the stage. And what happened was the uh, last breakup really humbled me, and, and I stopped trying to be that sage on the stage. I stopped trying to distract myself with work, making money with other women, and I went inside and I faced the scariest thing of my entire life which was my loneliness and my insignificance my fear of being alone and i remember my first ever breathwork session that i did um and i went in and i i, I relaxed and i i start you know i did this breathwork which is why we do breathwork in this community we have one coming up on the 19th um there's one you know Check check the link. Uh, I'm gonna put down put a link uh, below so that you can you know check the date and and open it up so that you can be here to to continue this conversation with your younger self, with those younger parts of you. And when I woke up from the breath work, I was in tears and I was screaming. I'm so scared of being alone. I'm so scared of being alone. I'm so scared of being alone. And I just that just came up from my body. <laughs> and I remembered they, that's why they call breath work rebirthing. It was like my birth all over again. Because when I was born, uh, I'm a twin. My brother was born first, and I was born second. And I, <laughs> you might think this is crazy, but I'm telling you this is exactly what happened. I had a flashback of my birth, and when my brother was born, feeling alone in the womb and being terrified of it it was five minutes but it seemed like forever and i wasn't aware of it at the time or throughout my life but that experience unconsciously shaped the way i showed up in relationships desperately seeking um desperately seeking um here to hear nima's voice for a while it's comfort hey bridget i'm glad that you you feel that way <laughs> that's awesome um what I discovered was that's how I was showing up in my um, in my relationships was I was showing up fearful, deeply wanting a relationship, but being afraid of being rejected and alone. So I would be I would push love away. I, I became the avoidant, and sometimes the avoidant turns out in codependent relationships as the narcissist, attracting codependent type of needy relationships, and so. The last relationship I had, I, I mean, if you don't know my story, um, after 
taking that pause, going in and healing my attachment wounds, going into my body, doing breath work, doing all this inner child work, and all of the tools that I now teach is basically out of necessity that I had to learn so that I could heal my attachment wounds and get the most important thing that I was looking for, because I badass at work, I was very successful, but I never really understood how to create a secure relationship. So that's what I made my mission. I did it, and all of a sudden, boom, six months later, here I am, seven months later, and I'm in a, you know, I just started a relationship. And uh, fast forward a couple years from that, year and a half from that, and now we're married and we have a beautiful two-month-old son. And now I find myself in this situation talking to you, which I got to say is a little awkward because I can't believe, um, I can't believe that, uh that is, you know, the case. Uh, no, my sound isn't down. Uh, I can't believe that uh, I'm going to, I'm actually talking about this right now because it's uh, what I never imagined. You know, I'm a chiropractor. What right do I have? And the answer is this. It's all, here's the answer. How, why is a chiropractor talking about helping transform your relationship situation? Here's why. What I discovered was, if you want to create a secure relationship, you must become a master of your own nervous system. You must understand your nervous system. You must understand your patterns, where they come from, so that you can now respond rather than react. Because when you are in a, you are attached in a relationship, even if it's an insecure attachment, your rational mind is not choosing for you. Your nervous system state is, okay? your nervous system state is the one that's choosing for you. So if you want to create a secure relationship, you better learn how to master your nervous system. And this takes time, it takes effort, and uh, it takes patience. Uh, many are just kind of like in a rush, and the, the rush is a sign of the trauma. <laughs> when when we, we're in such a rush to get results right away, we're not actually coming from a regulated place and allowing. We're actually trying to force it because we're coming from a place of, uh, you know, trauma or scarcity. And so I really wanted to talk about the conversation because it's been coming up a lot. Three main reasons why you can't leave this push-pull dynamic. Why can't you leave a relationship? And it all has to do with your nervous system. So to answer this question, I really want to help you go back and and let's go and, and talk some science and some research on the nervous system. Um, you have a rat in a cage and you have this uh, little lever that when the rat hits that lever, a little pellet of food comes. And as long as they push that lever, a pellet of food comes. As long as they push that lever, a pellet of food comes. And they have this consistency. Pretty soon now, they have consistent, constant reinforcement. Okay? You have this consistent, constant reinforcement. So there is this kind of like expectation and safety and security that they have. Um, and... You know, they just know that it's going to be there. And they, they did another experiment and they said, okay, we're going to take this rat and we're going to do this lever and then there's no pellets coming through. But it's consistent. So this what happens is they have a continuous reinforcement of their behavior that produces the same result. And if the rat 
pushes the lever and doesn't get a pellet of food, i.e. a reward, then they're like, ah, fuck it, I'm out of here, peace out, take care, right? Um, either one of those two, they have consistency. Now, what happens is they now get curious and they say, all right, let's take this same, let's take a rat and let's do another experiment. Let's start giving them what's called intermittent reinforcement. Please write that word down intermittent reinforcement because this is the reason why you can't leave your relationship stay with me here check it out so you give this the rat they have a lever and they hit that lever you give them food and now they've associated food with the lever the reward with the lever and then now all of a sudden you stop giving the pellets Okay, or, or, or you start giving it intermittently, off and on, and you notice what happens is they keep going after the pellets. And what do you think would happen if all of a sudden they kept decreasing it until it stopped? That should pretty much tell the rat to go, the rat will probably say, eh, it's not working, I'm going to peace out, thank you. You think that that's what it would happen, right? Wrong. What happens is the rats go nuts. They actually become addicted to the lever, to the actual lever, which then gives them the reward. Now, whenever, here's the key, whenever you give the pellets randomly, occasionally, unpredictably, and inconsistently, this creates an addiction. It's intermittent reinforcement. It doesn't come all the time. It comes intermittently. And I want you to think of it like gambling, like you're playing blackjack. If you, you know, if you got, you know, if you got 21 and you won every time, eh, it's consistent. The thing that makes gambling and playing blackjack and slot machines so addictive is the fact that there's inconsistent reinforcement. It's sometimes there and it's sometimes hard. What ha it's sometimes there and it's sometimes not. What happens is when you inconsistently give that reinforcement, the rat, you know, the scientist get intermittently gives the reinforcement, the rat and, and the scientist, the rat becomes obsessed. It creates an addiction. The intermittent reinforcement creates an addiction. Now, the addiction is created for anything that we want to acquire. Now, I want you to think of this because our nervous systems are very much similar. It's, we work, you know, the nervous system is the nervous system, whether you're a rat, a cat, or a human. So if you're in a relationship where you're getting affection, for example, all right, where, uh, let me give you an example, a woman uh, has a, is in a relationship with a man and she then re uses sex as a reward. And we see this happening all the time. And this is, you know, if, the, if, you, if, you, if this is happening for you, I don't want you to be judging yourself. I really want, this is not about shaming you. I just, this is really about awakening you to make your own choices. There's a woman who wants to get something, a certain behavior from her partner, whether it's money, whether it's um, buying her things, uh, whatever it is, this is what we see, and uses sex or has or um, 
has a conniption fit if he doesn't, um, uh, you know, if he doesn't do a specific behavior and then removes affection and and the 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 man is is really working desperately is really um anxious and and distraught at the fact that his behavior has produced that kind of reaction and will try desperately to modify his behavior to avoid that same reaction you that he then becomes owned by the scientist giving the pellet okay this is this is how manipulation happens in your relationships this is how codependency happens and so intermittent um intermittent reinforcement is how uh this occurs in a relationship and this if this is happening in a relationship then you don't have a relationship you have an addiction let me say that again if this is happening in a relationship where you're getting little breadcrumbs here and there intermittently after especially after in the beginning phases of the relationship it was being laid on thick you were getting everything you want all the affection all the praise all the gifts all the quality time and you were receiving this reinforcement and then all of a sudden it was being start to get make it intermittent and then all of a sudden withdrawn altogether you then you then long for those days in the beginning when you were getting it full time that reinforcement so you start to control the situation you start to manipulate your situation to try to become whatever it is you need to become in order to get that hit in order to get that pellet let me know if this is resonating with you if you were in a situation and 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 let me let me let me um kind of put it into some context if you have a fear of intimacy like you are like the unavoidant like i was where relationships are terrifying to you okay you will like you want relationships but getting close are it's terrifying to you so you want to get away because you're you're going to find them needy you're going to feel like you're responsible so you keep it at an arm's length what'll happen is that fear will have you try to uh elicit some form of control and you're not you might not be doing it overtly you might be doing it covertly uh nar covert narcissistically this is how i was showing up um but what you'll do in order to manage those emotions is you'll start start to take control to you will try to control your anxious partner by giving them scraps and breadcrumbs and when you feel them pulling away it, when they get close and intimate you push it away and then when you feel them pulling away you lay it on thick and you start intermittently rewarding them again rewarding them again and rewarding them again okay now let me know if any of this is relating for you didn't want to lose my investment couldn't get my head around the notion of banning my fantasy of a future bingo you just nailed it marnie you weren't in a real relationship you were addicted to a fantasy let me say that again if you're in that situation and you're you're on the receiving end if you're in one of these situations these toxic kind of should i stay should i go type of situations you're either the scientist giving the pellet or you're the rat 
let me know which one of these, right in the comments section, which one of these you're resonating with. You, in this type of dynamic that I've just described, are either the scientist, avoidant, or the rat, anxious. And I don't mean to uh, categorize you. I'm just giving you an analogy. It's not about what kind of a person you are. You're a rat. I know that sounds horrible. Please understand, you get what my, you get what my intention is with it. It's really to educate you. Now, if you've never had <laughs> totally 200%, okay, that's the pattern of my last relationship, love bombed. Okay, love bombed. And then why do they do that? Because that, that, that's, that's a form of control and manipulation, just that they're giving you the reward. And all of a sudden, you then completely get that oxytocin high you get your reward this is not a relationship this is an addiction let me say it again because i'll say it a hundred times this is not a relationship this is a, an addiction and as long as you are blind to this you will forever be searching for your next hit complaining 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 you know and still not receiving consistency, not receiving any, uh, it's it, just receiving love randomly, occasionally, unpredictably, and inconsistently. This is how, this is why you can't leave your relationship. This is the main reason. So you got to ask yourself this question. Well, then, well, then why? Why am I like this? Which gives me, which leads me down the rabbit hole, because we got to go down the rabbit hole. I'm inviting you, if you've ever watched um, The Matrix, I'm your Middle Eastern Morpheus, your Neo in this journey. Okay, if we're going to follow the white rabbit and go down uh, the rabbit hole, you're gonna at, we're going to ask ourselves, okay, why am I like this? Why am I like this? Now, number two reason. It's because it's a familiar. It's familiar. If you had a relationship, if you had an experience growing up with your mother and father, with your parents, your primary caregivers, where love had consistency, it had safety, it had predictability, it had permanence, it was constant, it was uh, continuous reinforcement, if you had that growing up, Soon as you get into a relationship with somebody who's inconsistent with you, how do you think you're going to react? You're going to be like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Peace out. I deserve way more than this shit. <laughs> Why would I tolerate this inconsistency from you? I'm worth way more. That's what would happen. However... Unfortunately, because trauma intergenerationally has now been passed from one generation to another to parents who they themselves are insecure in their attachment, dealing with their traumas, not emotionally attuned to themselves, not into their bodies, not in their own bodies. They're dealing with their own crisis with mom and dad. Okay, and there was conflict there, which had you not feeling seen, which had you constantly having to work for love and not having consistency, permanence. That's why my, my relationship with Diana is my number one priority. Like, number one priority. Like, 
so that my uh, my son can feel our consistency, our predictability, um, our constant continuous reinforcement so he doesn't have to feel like he has to work for love to prove his worth. Now, I mean, how many of us were able to have unicorn parents that got that? This information wasn't available to them at that time. Okay? Okay, this wasn't available to them at that time. Not many of our parents had that. This is what I tell our my clients. I'm like, look, your parents, unless they were unicorns, didn't understand this. And so, God, am I ever grateful that, uh, you know, I, I'm 45 and I have my son, right? I didn't have him in my mid-20s. Me and my parent, me and my brother were born when my mom was like 23, 24. She's a freaking kid. You know, you might have been born to, to even younger a parent, uh, and who knows what their, you know, feel, who knows what your mother's feeling of safety is, you know, Diana feels safe and secure knowing that I'm there, I got her back, okay, knowing that I'm there and I got her back, she, she, she has no doubt about that, right, and because she has that safety and security, guess what, now Dominic gets that, right, so where does this come from? It comes from a familiar experience as a child where love was not consistent, not predictable, was occasional. You didn't get that reinforcement. So what happens is you have this idea that that's what love is. Oh, okay, that's love. So when you, what we do is we then find people who then mirror those same qualities and we repeat those same patterns in an effort for that younger part of ourselves to complete what was incomplete with our parents. So in other words, we marry or we partner up with those that um, are so similar because it's so familiar. We think that's exactly what love is. We're actually drawn to it like a moth to a flame. We get sexually attracted to that longing or that same pattern right? And so we then become owned by the relationship. We don't have a relationship. We have an addiction. And when this pattern happens, we become love. We, you know, there's the love bombing and then there's the withdrawing. And then there, at, at some point you, you can't say, you know what? I'm worth more than this. You can't do it because soon as you do, soon as you, you know, resource yourself and say i'm out of here the other person comes back please no i'm gonna da, 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 da. and then for you know the honeymoon phase and so you know this this happens you know even in abusive situations as well you'll you'll see this um they'll pull away uh, the abusive situation happens and then all of a sudden uh there's the honeymoon phase where you get the love bombing and everything that you ever wanted starts to show up and you say okay you take it and you receive it and then you know you 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 blur you don't have boundaries of your own you're you know you didn't have consistency right so you then become inconsistent with your boundaries and you say okay i'll do that and then all right oh well you cheated on me again it's been your third time okay 
it's for when will you when will you stop maybe this time you will and then you go back to the cycle let me know if this resonates with you okay so number two reason is that it's familiar and then the third reason why you can't leave your relationship and we're going even further down the rabbit hole because it's familiar attachment we I say you we either side of that fence has a fear of facing our insignificance loneliness and lack of safety that we feel in the background of our bodies it's in the body there's this background alarm that we all have when we have childhood trauma of a lack of safety that's in the body we have a fear of facing our loneliness we can't stand that horrible lonely feeling that's inside our physiology and the cells that we're trying so desperately to run away from with even a shitty relationship we have this lack of safety you know fear of fear of being alone this lonely little part of us uh this this insignificant part of us and we use relationships and we manipulate who we are sometimes to the point of losing ourselves completely which is a form of manipulation by the way if you keep talking about love bombing and manipulation um manipulating and losing touch with who you are and compromising and abandoning who you are is a form of manipulation to try to control and keep safety not that you're a bad person I'm just trying to get you to own the reflection when you blame the narcissist for being inauthentic and 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 uh, being inconsistent and not being real and and not uh, and not telling the truth and not being authentic your work to heal is to own the reflection of where you are inconsistent with yourself where you're inconsistent with uh, your boundaries <laughs> and your manipulation of your identity so that you can fit a mold and what you thought that person would want changing your music and we all know this type of person how many of you let me know in the comment section if you know um, if you know somebody who all of a sudden gets in a relationship, they're tasting, you never see them anymore, number one. They become immersed and obsessed with that other person. Uh, their mu music changes. Sometimes they'll even change their hair. You know, my ex all of a sudden started changing her hair uh, and like changing her whole identity because she thought that that's what I would want. And she kept resenting me for it. And I just was like, okay, it's just, it's my preference you know like I was just kind of like yeah that's just what I want and as long as she didn't have a boundary I would just keep you know saying yeah this is exactly it it was like this two of us feeding one another she blames me and makes me you know she's the victim that I'm the perpetrator of course she's gonna feel that way whenever we're stuck in that state of of despair we want to blame the other person but if you really look at it if she was fully resourced healed her attachment wounds and and um, gave herself uh, chose herself first she would never have tolerated being treated anything less than a mutual full full commitment um, dedicated consistent relationship so is it my fault entirely 
I'm responsible. I'm completely responsible for my wounds of my own insignificance that had me showing up in the relationship as the narcissist trying to, um, uh, you know, use the relationship for my own kind of career benefit, sexuality, all of the things that I was getting my needs met for. She was also, and it was highly transactional. You cannot have a healthy relationship if it's transactional. <laughs> you can't, right? And that's for four years, that's what it was. And we went through this whole cycle. I was the scientist. She was the rat. And we just kept going until fucking catastrophe. <laughs> and so that was my wake-up call to stop, pause, not distract myself with any relationships and go after my own insignificance. So the only way that you're able to have a healthy relationship with somebody is when you have consistency, when you have safety, when you have when you're feeling chosen. Right? So if you're caught in this situation, let me know if this is resonating with you. Okay, what's your biggest takeaway so far? I want you to write it in the comment section because I really want you to engage. Let me know. If you're watching on replay, give me a hashtag replay and tell me exactly what's coming up for you. I really want to know. This is such an important conversation because if you don't really get this right and you don't kind of like it's kind of like I'm 45 years old. Brene Brown says middle age is when you kind of give your give your it's like God puts his hands on your shoulders and says, all right fucking wake up <laughs> like you're half of, half of it's done how are you going to do this now the second half right so i'm kind of asking do you are you going to take the red pill and take responsibility or are you going to take the blue pill and go back to sleep and hope that someone's going to rescue you or hope that she'll change or he'll change or do you really want to create a healthy relationship i can tell you one thing being on the other side of the work it wasn't fun but being on the other side of it I get to enjoy the fruits of my labor for the rest of my life, knowing full well that I'm still a student. I'm still a student. In other words, I haven't got it all figured out. It's relationships. Who the hell? Like, I don't know how in two weeks, three weeks, how things are going to go. But I trust myself to have the tools to be able to navigate through conflicts and my own triggers. Hence the title, Trigger Proof. Because if you... Most of the time, people are pointing fingers, and he never chose me. He love-bombed me. He's a narcissist. He, 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 he. And then I tell people, okay, cool. So what do you want? You want to be right? You want him to finally see you? Sorry, he's not doing that. Okay, so what do you want? Well, I want a secure relationship. Ah, okay, great. Let's put down the magnifying glass and then pick up a mirror and let's go inside and go after the intermittent reinforcement that mom and dad gave you unconsciously, not because they're bad people, but it's just unconscious, you know, and create that safety from within. Because when you get that, now you will meet somebody and they will treat you to the same degree that you treat you. Because you won't be able to tolerate anything else. The second that person gives, you start dating again, the second that person doesn't treat you with the same amount of respect, you're like, ah, you're quick to, you know, you start dating. And that's what happened with me. I started dating again. Within three or four dates, two or three weeks, I was like, nah, 
I like I would confront the behavior. I'd be like, no, I'm not available for that. No, I'm not available for that. You're like, you become boundaried. Okay, so what are you supposed to do? So first of all, you have three choices. If you're in this situation, you have three choices. Number one, you and your, in this relationship that you cannot leave, what do you do? Number one, you must be willing to create consistency with one another. Okay, now, oftentimes, here's the caveat, oftentimes, the scientist that you're wanting to create consistency to, who's only giving you pellets inconsistently, will tell you, okay, I'll change. I promise. I'm going to get therapy. I'm going to promise. But that's just another pellet. <laughs> okay, okay, I promise. I'll do therapy, I'll do so-and-so, we'll do so-and-so, but that's just for a certain time and then back to the old behavior. Let me know if that resonates with you. That's just another pellet because here's the thing. Not everybody wants to face their shadows. The only way you can get somebody to do their own work is for the person to be willing to face their shadows, face their dark passenger. Not everyone is. It's very rare. People sign up to work with us to face their own shadows. And in the first week, when their shadows come up, they want to fucking bail. Every, like 80% of the time. 80% of the time, they say, yes, I'm ready. I want to do the work. I'm ready to face my shadows. Week one, the shadow shows up and they're like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, why do you think your partner doesn't want to do this? Why do you think your ex doesn't want to do this? Why do you think they all refuse? Because it takes a, a, a lot of courage to own the shitty parts of yourself that you feel ashamed of. It doesn't feel comfortable for me to talk to you about my narcissistic uh, ways. <laughs> it's not particularly comfortable for me. But I'm doing it because I stand for healed families. Uh, I want to create a completely different conversation for my son to be in, and I'm willing to take the discomfort and the pain and the vulnerability of talking about my situation. If you've been in this group for a, a long enough, you'll hear me talk about some of the shit that I've done and uh, <laughs> I feel ashamed about uh, that I've worked through and integrated so that I can now finally look in the mirror and go, He's not a piece of shit after all. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> that took a lot of that took a fuck ton of work. <laughs> and for to, to to become the kind of person where I work with people who are triggered, okay? <laughs> I work with people who are triggered, white women who are triggered mainly, which Sorry, there, there's another uh, entitled white women who get triggered. There's another word for them. I was talking to my marketing person. I'm like, holy crap, my target market. Like, I work with Karens. I work with Karens. Why the, how the hell did I put myself in this situation? And I'm an avoidant. I, I, I'm like literally the embodiment of their ex partner who they hate. <laughs> Every time I was in a John Martini seminar, um, where people are working through their past traumas and stuff like that, once they cleared the uh, charges of, on, on the anger of that person, they go to around the room and they're like, okay, John would say, who in this room represents your ex? And whenever it was a woman, they, they would always look around. As soon as they would see me, they'd be like, 
him and I'd be like, all right, all right, let me guess. I'm the surrogate X. I embody very much of the traits, many of my clients' X's, which triggers the shit out of them, which causes them to react. So I got to really be, I got to really be in my heart, making sure that I'm not reacting back to their shadows and I'm working on my own simultaneously. Does that make sense? <laughs> Jason says, uh, Cairo J. Polk, uh, facing your shadow is scary as fuck, but you have to do it. Well, you don't have to, but it's something that you're, um, you're wise to do if you're wanting to show up courageous in the world, if you're wanting to show up less anxiety in the world, if you're wanting to create relationship security and stability, if you want to connect to your purpose, if you want to be able to regulate your emotions, because it's what your it's your shadows that you're avoiding that are getting triggered all the time, especially in this COVID time. This is why you're going to see a spike in relationship breakdowns over the next few weeks. Um, over the next couple of months, you're going to... Things are getting spicy, so that's why I'm going to be in here, and we got our breathwork event coming up this uh, on the 19th. Make sure you register for that, uh, and the overview experience on the 27th. You open up space during the holidays so that you can connect to yourself, so that you can be more present for your family. That's why we, we do this. So what you want to do is, number one, what are you supposed to do? You must be willing to both create consistency in order to heal this you must both be committed to truly creating the consistency not just fake pretend like truly right and how will you know well the person here's how you know if they truly are okay like you let's say i'm i'm the avoidant and i'm the scientist in in, in the relationship and i say oh please okay 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 i'm gonna do my work now I got to, that means when I say that I'm going to text you, I text you even though I don't want to, okay? That's part of the agreement. I got to create, why? Because my job is for the sake of the relationship to create consistency. And I'm going to do it even though I don't want to, but I'm going to do it because that's the agreement and the relationship is my priority, even though it's not something I want to do. Plus, I got I to gotta want to address the part of me that doesn't want to text you back. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. Not only do I need to uh, be, be willing to create consistency, show up when I say, on, be on time, text you when I'm going to be late, text you when I'm saying I'm going to text you, uh, pick you up when I say that I will, um, uh, honor my commitment say if i had a friday night i don't i don't blow you off for work again like i i commit to consistency and i must address the part of me that doesn't fucking want to doesn't really want to be around in other words heal my own attachment wounds that's how you can tell someone's committed if they don't have that level of commitment and they're not willing to create consistency with you then your next choice is to continue a relationship with them consistent con continue a relationship with them and be miserable uh patricia you haven't healed your attachment wounds yet so you can't really say whether you should leave or you should go uh you could leave 
but then you still have those unresolved attachment wounds you're going to bring to the next relationship. I'm about to get to that. The second, the second thing, if, if, if both parties are not completely dedicated to going all in and healing those attachment wounds, then your second option, if you're in this situation, is to continue the relationship. And just know that it will never change. And just as long as you're okay being miserable for the rest of the relationship and deciding to stay for the kids for financial reasons. So your next thing is, is just to be, just to consent, just say, okay, I'm trapped and I'm never going to leave. Be and I, so I'm going to remain miserable, remain being miserable because I'm making up excuses as to why I'm not going all in with healing my own attachment wounds. And the third option is to leave and to start over and to, and to do the difficult thing and to face your loneliness, face all your fears. And that's really difficult to do. Uh, but you must heal your attachment wounds. This is the only solution. To expect that your part, here's the, here's the thing, regardless whether they do the work or not, your responsibility is to take care of the parts of you that feel inconsistent, feel unsafe, and feel alone. That nobody can ever replace that, the work of rescuing those parts of you. If you don't, you are forever stuck in this cycle. When you do, something pretty cool happens though. When you do, something cool happens. You start to create a sense of consistency for yourself. You start to feel a sense of predictability. You start to gain significance to yourself and you start to gain connections around you. In other words, part of your healing, what, I, what we do, why it works so well with the clients that we work with, when they're in these avoidant patterns that they can't leave, for example, Aaron was one of them. He couldn't leave. It was like a year of push-pull back and forth. Finally, he healed his attachment wounds with his mother, his sister, all of his exes. And there was a moment, and we were working with him, where, you know, he said goodbye to her. And there was so many tears, and we all as a community held space for him because we knew that this is what he had to do. But it was cool because he wasn't alone. That's the key. You must create a, a, a community of people around you who are rooting for your greatest version and are holding space for the fact that you're taking this really brave step. And why? Because they're doing it too. Because they're doing it too. They're becoming trigger-proof like you. That's critical. Because if we can fill those needs of significance, certainty, uncertainty and adventure and connection if we can fill those needs you've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world which is nervous system regulation become becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less it means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our
purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Needs ourselves, we become less needy of somebody else doing it for us. But in order to have that secure relationship, that secure attachment, I had to become detached from the need of having somebody else fill it for me.